You can groan if you want. I asked that one time, you know what one answer I got? Adam had no belly button. <laughs> no navel. Talk about theological. Wow. So in these uh, weeks, uh, I don't know if we're going to go through all of them or not, but uh, we want to talk about what it's like to be under the Holy Spirit's control, which is called the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, most of us know what love, joy, and peace, you know, we're going to do the hard ones for a while, like meekness and next uh, week, we're going to do patience. And then I'll, I'll get a guest speaker for that one. Now, what does that mean? What does uh, the Lord mean? Well, first of all, let's, let's look, first of all, at Ephesians. It's not in your notes, but Ephesians chapter 5. Because there's a lot of misunderstanding floating around about this as well. In verse 18, uh, the Bible says, And do not be drunk with wine, uh, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Well, uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding about that. I personally don't believe that you don't get more of the Holy Spirit. You don't flow, you know, he doesn't, he's a person. And, um, and I think what that simply is saying, especially in the original languages, that let the Holy Spirit fully control you. You can be filled with the Spirit as you allow Him to be all that He wants to be in your life. Now, let's look at that for just a little bit. What happens in the next few verses in Ephesians 5 if you're filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, remember, there's a, this is the only one I know of that's conditional. There are five ministries the Holy Spirit does for the believer. There are two ministries. There are four ministries the Holy Spirit does to the believer, there are two ministries to the world. He convicts the world of sin, and he's also the restrainer. And those are all studies from the Scripture. But um, there is one that's conditional, and that's this one. And, of course, if you're, if you're going to look deeper, you find that uh, we cannot, we, if we're going to be filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit, we do not want to grieve him. You can grieve him because he's a person. You grieve him through sin. And then you don't want to quench him. Now, now there's scriptures for both of these. Quenching him is basically saying no to what he wants to do in your life, in and through you. So grieving him is uh, doing something we should not do. Quenching him is not doing what we should do. Did you catch that? Do I need to repeat it? Got it? Okay, anyway, so what happens in these passages here before we get to the fruit of the Spirit? Okay, if the Holy Spirit is going to be in full control of your life, you will, verse 19, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. You will be involved in verse 20, giving thanks. You will be a thankful person. You will learn what it is to have submission one to another, verse 21. And the wives will learn what it is to honor their husbands, 
The husbands will learn, if you go, keep going down that passage, the husbands then will love their wives as Christ loved the church. And uh, then you get down there and you find that children then, who also can be filled with the Spirit or controlled by the Spirit, they will honor or obey their parents in the Lord. And then as you keep going, you'll find in verse 5 of chapter 6 that the employees then will be obedient to those who are in authority over them or the employers in today's language. And then you go down and you'll work for the Lord. You find that in verse 6. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ. This is all part of allowing the Holy Spirit to control you. And then we find that the bosses, those employers, um, <clears throat> will, in verse 9, and you masters or employers do the same things to them, giving up, threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there's no partiality with him. You get the idea. Those are all practical things that will happen in your life. Okay. That's true. But now let's get to the inner man. That's the outworking of it all. But let's get to the inner man. Go to Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians 5, you know, you know uh, these verses, but in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit or evidence is love under the Spirit's control. There will be love. There will be joy. There will be peace. I've heard 10 million messages and all of those. But as we go on further, they get a little bit more. There'll be long-suffering, kindness, goodness. There will be faithfulness. Verse 23 in the King James, it says meekness. I like that word better than most translations. Translation I've got here says gentleness, self-control. Well, we're going to look at those, except for on Father's Day, because on Father's Day, we're going to look at a, a dad in Scripture that uh, really challenges me a little bit. So, anyway, are you ready to rumble? <laughs> okay. All right. So the fruit of the Spirit, this one here, is misunderstood. Meekness is not. First, we're going to talk about what it's not. It is not weakness. That's why it's so misunderstood. It comes from the Greek word, that Greek word there, and it was used to describe someone with a soothing quality. So let's say that you're out picking blueberries in northern Minnesota which is really the promised land, but uh, this is a promised land too. Anyway, and you run into a whole nest of yellow jackets or bees. This has happened many times to us. And you get stung. Okay? So let me, let me just say as a descriptive, that this fruit of the Spirit is like the ointment that takes the sting out of a burn. If you burn your fingers on something, it has a soothing quality. 
And so the Holy Spirit will do that when we yield to him, when we yield our all to Christ. Now remember, the Holy Spirit's job is not to uplift himself. It is to glorify Christ. John 16 tells us about that. And uh, uh, so uh, just keep that in mind. But let's look at Galatians 5. Um, actually, we've already looked at that. That's the nine, What's what do we call, fruits of the Spirit. So here's what it really is, okay? Going to write it down. Here we go. Meekness is really strength under control. Strength under control. I'm going to read something that Billy Graham wrote some years back. I, I like it. He said the word meekness here comes from a Greek word meaning mild, mildness in dealing with others. Nowhere in Scripture does this word carry with it the idea of being spiritless and timid. In biblical times, gentleness or meekness meant far more than it does in modern-day English. It carried the idea of being tamed like a wild horse that has been brought under control. Until tamed by the Holy Spirit, Peter was a rough-and-ready character. Then all of his energy was used for the glory of God. Moses was called the meekest man on earth. But prior to God's special call to him, he was an unbroken, high-spirited man who needed 40 years in the desert. Remember how he killed that Egyptian? So, um, <clears throat> a river, he goes on to say two more things. He says, a river under control can be used to generate power. A fire under control can heat a home. And I like this. Meekness is power, strength, spirit, and wildness under control. Under control. And that's what, when we yield fully to the Lord, that's what, that's what happens. That's the fruit of it. Okay? You know Jesus himself is our example here. Remember Matthew eleven twenty nine, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I skipped the one thing I wanted to, uh, to say. So since my memory is not as sharp as some of you folks laying around out there, I will read it here. He says, uh, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And there's nothing weak about the Lord Jesus, but he calls himself meek. And this is a fruit of the Spirit. So that's why we're tackling that today. We want to understand it so. Someone else said meekness is not native to the natural soil of the heart. Now, really. So meekness should govern the following areas of our life, okay? Here are six of them that will help us to understand what this is all about, okay? There should be that meekness in our life in restoration, Turn to Galatians 6.1, and I'll tell you what we're talking about here. 
In Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness or gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. I didn't like Madeline Murray O'Hara. She did try to do as much damage to Christianity as she possibly could. She was probably the most famous of her era, uh, famous um, atheist. But she made a comment once that really got me. She said, Christians are the only ones she knows that shoot their wounded. And I had to stop and think about that. Where'd she get that idea? She got that idea from judgmental, harsh believers who, when someone made a terrible choice or a bad choice, they didn't shoot them with a gun, but they basically, basically uh, destroyed their their fellowship with them. Let me read this again. Galatians 6.1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, it doesn't say you who are perfect, you who are walking with the Lord, restore. That's what God wants. He wants restoration. And we should do that in the spirit of meekness. Of course, you could adopt the philosophy of the Pharisee who was praying alongside a tax collector and his loud prayer said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this guy. I fast twice a week. I give tithes, yada, 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 yada. So glad I'm not like this sinner. And that's not meekness, not at all. So it should govern when we want to help restore a brother or sister. It should govern, govern that. Number two, it should uh, govern this area of our life to those who oppose us. Now, there's nothing in this scripture that says anything about being a doormat. So turn to 2 Timothy 2, verse 25. 2 Timothy 2, 25, this is what it says. In meekness, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. This is in a pastoral epistle, and it's basically the, the ideas for leadership. In verse 24, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, and in meekness correcting those. You know, to fly off the handle is exactly opposite of what we're talking about here. So I'm going to read here a guy named Paul Willis. Um, <clears throat> he writes in his book, Bells and Pomegranates. <laughs> My daughter eats pomegranates. Nobody here eats them, do they? You, have you ever eaten a pomegranate? I, I knew you were filled with the Spirit. I knew that. Anyway, he said, in modern thinking, meekness is not a coveted quality while there is hardly a characteristic which better distinguishes Christianity. 
Meekness to many means spinelessness and lack of courage or strength. It is the opposite. He says, most of the precious promises of the Scripture are to the meek. So really, meekness is meant to characterize every Christian regardless of what kind of personality that you have. Someone once put it this way, meekness is being mastered, or uh, yeah, is to be mastered by the will of God. Not my will, but thine be done. A meek person will say that, one that's being, uh, you know. But in meekness, it doesn't mean we can't stand up and be counted, but the spirit of that is different than what the world Okay, number three, it should govern listening to the Word of God. When either I'm preaching or anybody or anybody sharing the Word of God or you're reading in your personal devotion, anytime you expose yourself to the Word, this should be your attitude and this should be the fruit of that Spirit. James 1.21, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness, the in, implanted word, which is able to save your souls. There are some things we have to lay aside. I hope you do that when we're in church. There's a lot of things that can fill your mind. There's a lot of things that happen during the week. There's all kinds of yada, yada, yada. But when we come to the word of God, the scripture, the Lord wants us to receive it with meekness, a very gentle way to apply it to our own life. Number four, it should govern us in witnessing. First Peter 3.15, to sanctify the Lord God in your heart, be ready always to give an answer to anyone that asks you the reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and fear or awe or reverence, however you want to. So when we're witnessing, we need the Holy Spirit's control as we do it in, in meekness. How about in our marriage? Uh-oh, I can hear a pin drop. It's merely jesting. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Peter 3. This is important, I think, in a practical way to all those who are married. In 1 Peter 3, verse 4, this is what it says. Especially directed to the wives, but there's application to everybody here. It says, Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle or meek and quiet spirit. Listen now. Listen. Here it is. Which is very precious in the sight of God. See, that's what, that's what really counts in God's eyes. Then number six, to those in authority, and actually all people, let me read to you Titus chapter 3 and then verse 1. Whoops, hang on a minute. These pages are sticking together. Anyway, in Titus 3, verse 1, it says, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, 
to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all meekness to all men. You see, I'll put it this way, folks. John the Baptist, do you remember him? Remember that first quiz I gave you a long time ago, two and a half years ago? You don't, do you? I ask you, what did Winnie the Pooh and John the Baptist have in common? Do you remember that? And I said the same middle name? Winnie the Pooh, John the Baptist. You don't remember that. Well, that's all right. But you know what he said in John chapter 3, verse 30, when he saw Jesus earlier in that in the scripture, he says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And then eventually he said this, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. There's the kernel of challenge. Because the less, I mean, not obliterating our personality, but the less the world sees of, of uh, some of the aspects of me and the more they can see of Jesus as the Holy Spirit reproduces the life of Christ within me. That's what we want. And that will be a meek spirit or strength under control. So if you're still taking notes, meekness can be accurately described this way, having a servant's heart. When one time somebody thought they were going to get me with all this uh, stuff and say, you know, Jesus overturned the tables and threw people out of the temple. You call that meek? My challenge to that person is, you think Jesus was out of control? Of course not. There was strength under control. That stuff should have never been in the temple. And it's called cleansing the temple. And he, and he got all that stuff out of there and cleansed the temple. He was not out of control. Having a servant's heart is to be like Jesus. In Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. That's why I like that song, Be Thou My Vision. O Lord of my what? Of my heart. And uh, we'll sing that here in just a, a few minutes. But there is a special promise in Matthew 5, 5, and I bet you know what it is. Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Do you believe that? That most famous Sermon on the Mount? If you understand that meekness is not weakness, it's a Christ-like virtue. And then you understand how the Holy Spirit wants that to be part of the fruit of our walk with the Lord. And may it be so. May it be so. Now, again, there are several, several, I don't know if we're going to go through all nine, but uh, off and on. Uh, next week, we're going to look at patience. I promised you that, and you might be surprised. 
But I just challenge all of us here. Let's be what God wants us to be. Amen. Let's sing.